0: If you're a page-turner, you're going to want to open your Bibles to the book of Luke. We're going to be looking at several verses today. <clears throat> page-turner or a, uh, a button pusher, many of you uh, look up Scripture that way now. So, But get to Luke 19, and we're going to be spending uh, some time turning pages today. If you look at the front of your bulletin, if you have a bulletin, look at the front of your... Bulletin, we're in a sermon that's entitled, Making the Turn. Making the Turn, which has to do with Jesus making the turn and setting his face towards Jerusalem, which we'll look at in just a minute. But the title of this message is Even the Taxman. Which is what Zacchaeus was. He was a tax man for the Roman Empire. And today we're going to look at even a tax man can see Jesus. Let's open a word of prayer before we get into our study. Father God, I just pray that as we are here, you quiet our hearts, you make our focus on you and what you have for us this day. We give you all the glory and all the credit for what is said and what is done here in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's going to be two tests today. I know you're not used to coming to church and getting a test, but the first test is going to be for the older folks, and it's going to be right out of the gate before we even get into the Scripture. Do the names Randolph Mantooth and Kevin Teague mean anything to you? Oh, my, yes, Joyce comes right out. She wins the test. What does that mean? Emergency, yes, a, a show that was on in the 70s, a sitcom sort of drama thing called Emergency. And I bring that up for you today. Their names, in the, you remember their names? Roy and Johnny. Roy and Johnny. I bring this up because back when I was probably, I don't know, seven, eight years old, they were in a parade here in Ellsworth. And I can remember standing on the edge of High Street waiting for them to go by. I... Was right where Beals Avenue turns off in High Street. And we had got there early and we were right on the road so we could see them when they go by and then people started coming. And more and more people wanted to see the emergency superstars, the TV greats. And it got to a point where I couldn't see, being seven or eight years old, I, they were people all lined up and in front of us. And If you're familiar with that portion of High Street, there's a big bank there that goes up to the railroad tracks. Like Zacchaeus climbing the tree, we relocated ourselves up onto the bank and waited for them to drive by. In their nice, shiny red convertible that they were setting up on the back of, I can... Remember it just like yesterday. The diner across the road. What was the name of the diner? I don't remember. Dick's Dick's Diner. Well, I was young. I didn't do well to remember yesterday, let alone back way back then. But Dick's Diner, yeah. crossed the road and got a hot dog and went up on that bank and waited for Roy and Johnny to drive by. Jesus is the celebrity of his parade. And it all starts in Luke 9 51. Luke 951. It says, "When the days drew near for him to be taken up." He set his face to go to, to Jerusalem. There's a holiday coming up pretty soon. What is it? Easter, right? Palm Sunday. There's a few other things that happen there. But Easter. And we celebrate Easter because of the death, burial, and resurrection, Right? But here in Luke 9.51, he's saying, when the days draw near for him to be taken up, he's going to Jerusalem knowing the plan of the Father. So many times, and it's great to focus on the death, burial, and resurrection because that's the sacrifice that saves us. But Jesus set his face to Jerusalem to be taken up. To go back to be seated with the Father. And the plan is he is coming again. And we need to keep that in mind. The cross is only part of the plan. Death, burial, and resurrection are only part of the plan. His ascension, when the days draw near for him to be taken up, is the plan. Seated at the right hand of the Father is the plan. Preparing a place for us is the plan. Praise God. Coming again is the plan. Jesus knew the plan. If we look back just a little bit in chapter 9 of Luke to 921. 921. I hear those pages turning. It's awesome. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. He said, The Son of Man must suffer. He must Suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Jesus knew the plan. He knew he was going to Jerusalem, and he knew that he had to go through the cross to get to the ascension. He must suffer. Luke 9.28 Eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him. They went up onto the mountain to pray. He was praying. The appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. And they spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Jesus knew the plan. They were speaking about his departure, about being taken up. Now, as Pastor Scott preached a couple of weeks ago, the most direct route for Jesus to go to Jerusalem would have been through Samaria. He was in Capernaum. In the Galilee region, the most direct route would have been right through Samaria to Jerusalem. But as we know, the Jews and the Samaritans didn't get along. So they told Jesus that he could not stay there in that town or even travel through their land. If you remember what Pastor Scott preached about, Remember the word of God, James and John said, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and consume them for not allowing you to spend time in this town? Jesus rebuked them, meaning James and John, not the people of the town. And they went on their way. Brothers and sisters, God does not always take us to the shortest route, you think, oh, I know best and I know what I want to do and I know where I want to go. But maybe God has another plan for you. Maybe you need to go a different route. Maybe there's something God wants to give to you if you get a roadblock in front of you and have to go around it. A different way. That could be in work, can be in just in life, can be in family. But don't be discouraged. If you think you know where you want to go, and the most direct way to get there doesn't happen. We see it time and time again in Scripture. We saw it when Pharaoh let his people go, God, out of Exodus. God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was the nearest, that was the easiest, that was the shortest way to go. No, God said, at least the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by way of the wilderness towards the Red Sea. So Jesus wanted to go to Jerusalem. And the shortest way would have been through Samaria. But the Samaritans wouldn't allow him to go that way. You could say the Samaritans acted unneighborly towards Jesus and the disciples. Ironic, isn't, isn't it, that just in a few verses later in chapter 10, we get a story of a good Samaritan that Jesus tells. It says, and behold, the lawyer stood up and put him in to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? That's probably the question we've all asked ourselves, haven't we? What must we do to inherit eternal life? And he said to, them, he said to him, what, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered him, You shall love your Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. The story of the good Samaritan. A man beat up and left dead along the road. A priest and a Levite come along and see him and cross to the other side of the road because they don't want to deal with him. Samaritan comes along and picks him up and puts him on his horse and takes him to the inn, pays for his boarding, and says, I'll be back if there's any other expenses occurred, and pay for it after he is well. At the end of that story that Jesus tells, Jesus asks the question, which of these men do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell to the robbery? was a Samaritan the one that acted upon and did something for somebody that was in trouble I'm sorry I'm off the subject Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem Luke 13:22 we're going to go from 9 to 19 Luke 13:22 the narrow door he went on his way through the towns and villages teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem. Luke seventeen, eleven, Jesus cleanses cleanses ten lepers. On the way to Jerusalem, he was pass, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers. Luke eighteen thirty one and the taking of the twelve. And talking and taking the twelve, he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. Jesus knew the plan, and he was set; had set his face to Jerusalem, and he was on his way there. Luke 19, 11, after our Scripture today, as they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem. Jesus had set his face towards Jerusalem, Jerusalem, he knew that he had to endure the cross to make it to the ascension. And of course, Luke 19.28, the triumphal entry. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. When he draw near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet. This parade of Jesus was a journey but it was a journey with a purpose. His sight was set on Jerusalem. Jesus was going to Jerusalem to offer himself as a perfect sacrifice on a cross for you and for me. As they traveled, Jesus was preparing his disciples for what was going to happen in the days to follow. Jesus, the king. And the coming of his kingdom that we should be looking for every day is a major theme since Jesus makes a turn towards Jerusalem. See, they all thought Jesus was going to Jerusalem to establish his reign as King. In his kingdom here on earth, but Jesus knew he was going to be reunited, reunited with the Father in heaven, and in order to get there, he was going to have to endure the cross. That's a recap of the last three or four weeks. That's an introduction to today's message, even tax collector. Today's scripture, Luke 19, 1 through 10. Let's get into the message. What do we know about Zacchaeus? What do we know about Zacchaeus? That he was a tax collector. He was a Jewish tax collector. He was given the right to collect taxes in the region by Rome. He was given an amount that needed to be collected for the Roman Empire. And then anything that he collected above that amount, he could keep for himself. Tax collectors were hated and despised by people as they demanded taxes for Rome from the countrymen, as well as travelers looking to do business in and around Jerusalem, they had to travel through the land of Jericho. What else do we know about Zacchaeus? He was rich. He was a chief tax collector, meaning he had been given a place to collect taxes that was on a well-traveled route. And he was very good at his job. He had built his kingdom for himself. The people who build their kingdom on the backs of other people often end up alone, isolated, despised and ultimately rejected by all. Think of this in terms of your life. Do you like to see a person coming your way that you know is going to ask you for money? The world, people, look at this type of person rich, mean, demanding, hard. They point and they judge. They talk bad about, they hate. And they, you, I, often run from these people. Yes, Zacchaeus more than likely led a very lonely life. What else do we know about Zacchaeus from these short ten verses? Yes, Zacchaeus was short. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he, such a wee little man was he that he climbed the sycamore tree. He was physically short, but, and he couldn't see Jesus, so he climbed that tree. Wait a minute, wasn't that what Pastor Scott preached about last week? The blind beggar sitting along the roadside couldn't see Jesus. And he cried out. They told him to be quiet, and he cried out louder. He was physically blind. He couldn't see Jesus. Zacchaeus was short and couldn't see Jesus. But it was more than that. Zacchaeus was spiritually blind. Jesus healed that blind beggar sitting alongside the road. He followed him. He praised God for his sight, for being able to see. Zacchaeus needs his sight to be restored in order to see Jesus. Sight of his heart, sight of his mind. His heart and his mind needed to be open so that he could see just as much as a blind man's eyes needed to be open so that he could see. What else do we know? Zacchaeus was changed. Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor and if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Jack, Jesus was, set His face on Jerusalem. He was in the parade to Jerusalem. He had made the turn. Zacchaeus made a turn as well. Zacchaeus had made an enthusiastic turn away from theft, greed, and it's all about me, attitude, in life. The turn leads him towards faith, generosity, and a life of obedience to God. A life of following Jesus. We get this little verse, this one glimpse, it's in verse 7 of our scripture today. It says, and when they saw it, they all grumbled. He's gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. The crowd. Brothers and sisters, we don't want to be part of a crowd like this, especially part of a crowd that is grumbling about the things of Jesus. There's another spot in Scripture that deals with crowds deals with sin. It deals with how Jesus dealt with the crowd. It's found in John 8. It says, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives early in the morning. He came again to the temple, and all the people came to Him. They sat down and taught them. And He sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, placing her in the midst of they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now, in the law of Moses, now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So, what do you say? This they said so that they would test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down, wrote with his finger in the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and he said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, They went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Jesus dealt with the crowd. They were there looking to destroy because of her sin Jesus was there to restore to bring hope to love there's one thing that we don't know about Zacchaeus from these 10 verses we don't know what Jesus said to him when We don't know what Jesus said to him that changed his life. Changed his outlook on life. That changed him from money being the center of his life to Jesus being the center of his life. But we do know why he changed And that's because he had an encounter with a Savior. He had an encounter with Jesus. We know that Jesus moved towards Zacchaeus when he saw him up in that tree. And we know just like you and I would if somebody was coming to ask us for money that the crowds of that day probably would move away from Zacchaeus. What we do know about Jesus was that he knew Zacchaeus by name. He had never met Zacchaeus, but yet he knew him. And he called him by name. What we do know is that Jesus spent time with him. I must go to your house this day. These three actions changed Zacchaeus' life. Church, brothers and sisters, friends, if we could only understand these three key areas about Jesus that Jesus moves towards us, that Jesus knows. Every one of us by name. And that Jesus, through his word and through the Holy Spirit, wants to spend time with us. It would change you too. Just like it would change me. Just like it's changed so many of us. Jesus wants to show you his love. He wants you to be born again. He wants you to mature in faith and keep him first in your life. And in doing this, Jesus will change you as well. Jesus doesn't come to our lives to take our side. He comes to change us, to reorder our priorities. Remember the woman caught in adultery that we just read about Jesus stood up and said to her her woman, "Where are they? Has no one condemned you?" She said, "No one, Lord." And Jesus said, "Neither do I." "Go, and from now on sin no more." Jesus changed her. God of the Old Testament Jesus of the New Testament changed people. God changed Jacob who who lied to secure his brother's birthright who ended up the father of the twelve tribes of Israel. David, an adulterer and a murderer, ends up a man after God's own heart. Rahab, the Canaanite prostitute, ends up in Jesus' bloodline remembered for her faith and her good works. Jesus changed Saul who killed and imprisoned Christians to be known as the 13th Apostle, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Peter, from a coward, denying even knowing Jesus to the foundation cornerstone of the church. And here, an adulterous woman to a forgiven believer. Go from here and sin no more. Friend, has Jesus called you by name? Has Jesus changed you? Has Jesus made a difference in your life? Praise God if He has. Glory to the only one that can change you. Maybe if He has changed you, maybe He's asking you to change something else in your life. The only way we change is by spending time with God. Reading God's word in prayer. Being with like-minded believers in the fellowship with other Christians. True repentance leads to salvation, which leads to hope, and hope demands action. Just as we read about the Good Samaritan. Just like that key has changed his life from a life of greed and theft to a life of obedience and generosity. Today salvation has come to this house. Once you have been saved, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Let Jesus change you. Jesus wants to change you. He will show you what is good and holy, and right and righteous. Say yes to these things and say no to sin. And I promise a test to the younger ones in the group today. The older ones passed with flying colors. Let's see if the younger ones can get this one. Is there anybody with us today that knows what FOMO is? I heard a yes. Abby Bland. You spoke right up and said yes. What is it? Fear of missing out. What possibly could that mean? Your yes is the most prized possession you have, brothers and sisters. FOMO, fear of missing out. Is our culture today. It's we say yes, but if something better comes along, let's go do that instead if something comes along that tempts you away from what God is telling you is right and what you have said yes to, I fear so many times we say yes to that temptation. And we don't remember the yes that we've said. to Jesus. Say yes to the right things. They lead to a gateway of blessings for your life say yes to the wrong things. And they lead to a gauntlet of regret and fear. Listen to the words of James and the hope that comes through God's Word. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the, com- until the coming of the Lord. Remember, we are to be waiting for the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for his precious fruits of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts. Establish your hearts. Set your face. For the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against anyone. Brothers, so that you may not be judged, behold, the judge is standing at the door as an example of suffering and patience. Brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast with their faces set to the Lord those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job. You have seen the purpose of the Lord. How the Lord is compassionate and merciful, but above all, brothers, do not swear either by heaven or on earth. Do not give your oath to anyone or anything else, but let your yes be yes and your no be no so that you may not fall under condemnation. Don't be a FOMO Christian. Know what you believe. Stand on God's word. Hope in the coming of the Lord. We are all treasure hunters. At heart. Don't tell me that as a child you didn't dig a hole looking for buried treasure. Don't tell me you didn't walk a beach looking for washed up treasure. Don't tell me as a child you didn't keep your eye to the ground hoping to find a treasure, a nickel or a quarter or maybe a dollar. See, I believe this was Zacchaeus' issue. He was a treasure hunter. His treasure was money and position that brought him power. And if we're all honest with ourselves and each other, we're all treasure hunters of something. Looking for that one thing of value that will give us meaning to this life. So we hunt for treasure. In our earthly relationships, in our careers, in our possessions, in our achievements, our education, positions of power physical strength, or maybe even your beautiful physical beauty. And if we're being honest with ourselves, we never find that pot of heart-satisfying gold in these created things. But sadly, far too often we keep looking out of desperation and determination We look again and again, telling ourselves that the next thing, the next thing I find will bring that meaning to life that I'm looking for. But created things will never meant to bring the treasure that brings and delivers meaning to life. Matthew talks about treasures, and where you find them. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust can destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust can destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. God's Word tells us that there are two places to look for treasure here on earth we up in heaven. Where are you looking for your treasure today? What are you truly living for? This world and all that it can provide, where are you following Jesus? Zacchaeus turned. He gave up the idol of money for the treasure of heaven. An encounter with Jesus. An encounter with Jesus. That brought salvation to his house. Because that is what Jesus does. He comes to seek and save the lost. same desires that his Father in heaven has, that he let the prophets of old know. Ezekiel reads, cast away from you all your transgressions. Get rid of your sins that you have committed. and make, Make for yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord God. So turn and live. That's beautiful. Put away your sin. Turn to God and live. We see in this larger portion of Scripture that we've looked at today through the book of Luke. There are two ways to respond to the passing by of Jesus with honor and respect or with grumbling. The one leper. Jesus healed ten, but one of them came back. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a louder voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. He saw Jesus as a king. the healer. And he fell on his face at his feet. The rich... Ruler from a few weeks ago. He asked Jesus what he must do to inherit eternal life. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, all these things I've kept since my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. But when he, the rich ruler, heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. His problem was that, not that he had money, his problem was that his money had him. He was sad. and He grumbled. The blind man that we were, Pastor Scott preached about, immediately he recovered his sight and followed him glorifying God. All the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. He followed. Now Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, Half of my goods I give to the poor, and half I, And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. He Changed. What are you choosing today? A king. Somebody to be followed. somebody to change for? Or are you going to continue to grumble? See, brothers and sisters, you're here today. In Christ the King, he's passing by. Can you see him? There isn't a more important question. You could ask yourself. Can I see Jesus? If you can see him, how do you see him? Is he your king? Or is he just somebody else that you're grumbling about? That's the question. Only you can answer it. And I ask the elders to come up front. We're going to pray. During our prayer, if there's something that Jesus wants to change about you, If Jesus wants to change all of you, come up and pray with one of these elders. We're here for you, standing in the gap between grumbling and following, between death and between life. So you come as we pray, if you would like. Father, thank you so much for your words. Thank you so much for re- revealing yourself to us in such a way that we can see you, that you have revealed yourself to us that we may know you. You have a desire to teach us, to lead us, to show us what is good and righteous and holy. Father, I pray that today we say yes, that if there's one here today that's dealing with sin in their life, that you allow them to see you and see your goodness and know that you love them That you don't condemn them. That you only want to lead them out of that sin. There's one here that has never given their life to you, Lord. I just pray. they Stand up right now and come forward. Talk with one of these elders. About how to know you. How to change their life. If they're tired of this life and what it's bringing to them. And they know that they need to change. This is the time. You're calling to them. You're passing by. You don't guarantee another time down the road. Today is it. We give you all the glory and all the praise for the way that you've changed our lives. Father, we ask you that you continue changing us. You continue leading us. That we keep saying yes to the right things in our lives and no to the wrong things love you. Thank you so much for your forgiveness. And as Jesus made the turn and set his face towards Jerusalem, Father, may we set our face for the coming of the Lord that is still to come. And know that you carry out your plan and that we're part of it. We love you and we praise you and we give you all the credit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.